In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning to you. A blessed Epiphany tide to you. Epiphany being the feast on January 6th where we commemorate uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ to the Magi and by extension to all the nations of the earth. And this is the first Sunday after the Epiphany where we celebrate the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ, wherein his person and work were made manifest. It's what epiphany means, a, a revelation, a manifestation, and where the triune God is clearly revealed. In the gospel, we see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working as they always do in concert together, the Holy Trinity, one God. And I have to say, this is one of my favorite uh, passages in Scripture, not that we should maybe have favorites, that can get sort of tricky, uh, but there is so much truth and beauty and goodness packed into what is just two verses in the Gospel of Luke. It's as if the whole of the biblical narrative is compressed into this event. Creation, the flood, the patriarchs, David, the prophets, it's all there and more. So this morning, uh, an ambitious sermon, especially this time of year, <laughs> January, uh, hopefully got Red Bull on the way in, we're going to be unpacking this morning the meaning of Jesus' baptism and its implications for us. And although we're going to be covering a lot, uh, this is by no means going to be an exhaustive exposition of this typologically rich event. First, Jesus' baptism is an act of new creation. And this could be said of Jesus' entire ministry, because Jesus makes all things new. The Gospels and the Gospel of Luke is no exception. The Gospels are full of new Genesis. They're full of Genesis imagery. Think about Jesus' baptism. As the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters of creation, and it is in Genesis chapter 1, a bird-like image, an avian image. As the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters of creation, so did the Spirit descend in the form of a dove upon Jesus at the Jordan River, the waters in which he was baptized. And it's important to understand the symbolism behind water. I think we all know at a base level that water is the primal material. It's foundational. Water is life. When people explore planets, what do they look for first? Water. Water is a sign of life. It's essential. And think of what the psalmist says, that the earth, speaking of God, the earth he has founded upon the seas. So water is the primal material. It's, it's foundational. And so Jesus in his baptism, what is he doing? As an act of new creation... He's entering the primal waters. He's going down to the foundations of the earth. 
He's getting to the bottom of the cosmic problem. And he's putting things right. St. Gregory of Nyssa wrote this. He says, Jesus enters the filthy water of the world, and when he comes out, brings up and purifies the entire world with him. And as the Father, another connection to Genesis, think about it. God spoke the universe into existence. But as the Father at the first creation spoke, as he made all things through his word, the word is the agent of creation. Through Jesus, all things were made. So as the Father did that at the first creation, so does the Father at Jesus' baptism. So does he speak at the beginning, the inauguration of the new creation, remaking all things through his word, Jesus Christ. And in keeping with the Genesis motif, uh, Christ is revealed as the new and better Adam. The first Adam, on account of sin, was barred from paradise, and we with him. But in and through the second Adam, verse 22 of Luke chapter 3, heaven was opened. Literally, the clouds parted in some manifest way. But also spiritually, in the language of St. Ambrose, the, the flaming sword of the cherub which guarded paradise was extinguished by Christ. We can enter again into God's presence through him. Jesus is also the new and better Noah. There are narratival elements of the baptism of Jesus, which I would contend are strongly elusive to the story of Noah and the flood. First, the flood in general prefigures baptism. St. Peter says this explicitly in the third chapter of his first epistle. He writes this, Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. Verse 21, there is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh. So baptism is not just getting some dirt off your skin. But the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Second, it is a dove that Noah sends out to scout for dry land after the flood. And it is the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove that descends upon Jesus. And this is all, again, imagery of new creation, new beginnings, new gen genesis. At the beginning, again, the Holy Spirit hovers over the waters of the deep. After the flood, the dove searches for the land which has reemerged. And at the baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus, who brings up with him this proverbial dry land, this new creation. So it's new creation. Jesus is the new Adam, the new Noah, and he is the new Isaac. The Father says over Jesus at his baptism, You are my 
agapetas weas, beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Three times in the account of the almost sacrifice of Isaac, Isaac is referred to as the agapetos weas, the beloved son. As Abraham brought his beloved son up on Mount Moriah, so did God bring his son up to the Mount of Calvary. But whereas Isaac was spared, God did not spare his own son, but provided himself a sacrifice in our stead. Christ then is the new Isaac, and he's also the ram caught in the thicket, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. There is then an inextricable link between the baptism of Jesus and the death of Jesus, the former anticipating and pointing to the latter. When James and John, you remember James and John, they want the good seats in the kingdom, and they naively and in ignorance ask Jesus, can we sit at your right and your left? Left. What does Jesus say to them? Well, he, he answers their questions with some questions. He says, can, one of the questions he asks is, can you be baptized with the baptism that I will be baptized with? And the baptism of which Jesus spoke was what? His death. Jesus, in his baptism, is sanctifying the waters of the sacrament of baptism, wherein we are united to Christ in his death, wherein the, the blood and water which flowed from his side washes away our sins. I'm going to say that again. Jesus in his baptism is sanctifying the waters of the sacrament of baptism, wherein we are united to Christ in his death, wherein the blood and water which flowed from his side washes away our sins. Thus the baptism of Jesus inaugurates the new creation and the new and true exodus. There's exodus imagery as well in the Gospels and in this passage. Moses led Israel out of slavery in Egypt through the Red Sea on dry land to freedom. Joshua led Israel in the same fashion across the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized to the promised land. Thus Christ brings us out of slavery to sin, death, and Satan by his own precious blood. Painted not on doorposts and lintels as it was in the Exodus, the blood of lambs, but on the hard wood of the cross. Christ brings us through the waters of baptism, the new and true Red Sea, the new and true River Jordan. He brings us through those waters to freedom and to new life. He opens up the way to heaven and he leads us to the promised land, that blessed age to come where God will dwell forevermore in our midst. Jesus, at his baptism, is also revealed as the new David, the son of David, the Messiah, as God's own son. 
Thus God publicly, God the Father publicly anoints Jesus with the Holy Spirit as the King of the Jews and the Lord of the world. Psalm 2-7, it says, You are my son. Today I have begotten him, begotten you. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. This was a part of a coronation hymn, which the new king would himself recite the new king in Israel. Thus, Jesus is revealed to be the son of David. His baptism marks the beginning of his reign. And this is important to understand. The pronouncement of the father, you are my beloved son, and the descent of the spirit did not make Jesus the son of God by nature. He is not becoming in his baptism what he formerly was not. It did not make him the God-man, Savior, King of the world, but revealed and proclaimed him as such. Jesus is God's eternal son by nature. And at his baptism, uh, that eternal reality is revealed in time and space. As St. Augustine and others have pointed out, if John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb, how much more our Lord, who is one in essence and nature with the Spirit. Jesus received the Spirit in his humanity at his baptism. So that having united us to himself, we might receive the Spirit at our baptism. Jesus was not adopted as God's Son at his baptism. That's a heresy called adoptionism. But rather, he was baptized in order that we might be adopted as God's children. And that's the rub of this. This is not just cool, interesting Bible study stuff that has no bearing on our daily lives because the sacrament of baptism that we receive in the church is a participation in the baptism of Jesus. And it's only when we recognize Jesus' baptism as a vicarious event that it makes any sense. I mean, the question is, and I've answered it implicitly, I hope, already, but the question is, why was Jesus baptized? Even John the Baptist in the Gospel of Matthew asked this question. Like, he doesn't want to do it. He refuses at first. Why? I need to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me from baptism? That's a good question. Why? Because baptism is for sinners. And Jesus knew no sin. But Jesus was not baptized because he was a sinner. He was baptized in order to identify with sinners, in order to bear the guilt of sinners. He did it for our sake and for the sake of the world. By being baptized, Jesus 
is here establishing the sacrament of baptism, wherein the power of his death is appropriated and new life in him is given. St. Ambrose writes this. He says, Our Lord was not baptized. Our Lord was baptized not that he might be cleansed by the waters, but to cleanse them. That being purified, that is the waters being purified by the flesh of Christ, who knew no sin, might possess the power of baptism. Jesus is the new Adam, and in baptism we are united with him. And whereas by birth and by choice we have eaten of the fruit of the first Adam's sin, so by the new birth we eat of the fruit of the second Adam's righteousness. Jesus is the new Noah, and his mystical body is the new ark. And in baptism, we are incorporated into Christ and the church. Jesus is the new Isaac. He's the beloved and eternal son of the Father and the only efficacious sacrifice for our sins. And in baptism, we are united with Christ in his death and washed clean from our sins. We are crucified with Christ and raised up with him that we might walk in newness of life. Jesus is the new Moses and the true Paschal Lamb of God who leads us out of Egypt, out of slavery to sin, death, and Satan. He leads us through the new Red Sea, through the waters of baptism to freedom. Jesus is the new Joshua, entering the waters of death so that we could enter into new life in God's heavenly country. Jesus is the new David, God's only and eternally begotten Son. And in baptism, we are united with Christ. We are adopted as children of God the Father, who now says over us, You are my beloved. That's the heart of it. That in baptism, through the work of Christ, his precious blood poured for, out for us, for our sins, so that we could have life. That through his death, he trampled down death. And by his resurrection, we can walk in newness of life with him. That Christ, by taking on human flesh and doing all that he did, including undergoing the sacrament of baptism for our sake, he makes it possible that we can be united with the triune God and God can say over each one of you, you are my beloved. All that and more is given to us in baptism because again, baptism, the baptism of Jesus is vicarious. And our baptism is a participation in the baptism of Jesus and therefore a participation in the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's, it's the means of grace. It's the way that the work of Christ is initially given and appropriated to us. Through baptism, the door to the spiritual life is opened. 
And in baptism, we have been forgiven of our sins. We have been given new life. We have been made members of Christ, of Christ's body. We have received the Holy Spirit. We are God's beloved children. We have received grace upon grace. So brothers and sisters, let us cooperate with grace. We are God's beloved. Let us live as such. Let us, if need be, turn from the sins from which we were redeemed by Christ's precious blood. Let us walk in the Spirit who indwells us. Let us, in word and deed during this epiphany tide, make manifest Christ the Word made flesh who knew no sin but became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That is, that we might be reconciled to God the Father and also become ministers of reconciliation out in the world. That God is making us new creations. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. And God's putting us back together. But at the same time, he is using us, even in our brokenness. Are we exactly like Jesus yet? Not me. I'm sorry to let you down and disappoint you. But God uses us, his beloved, to be ministers of reconciliation, to be the means by which other people come to know Jesus Christ the Word made flesh, who has manifested himself, who has revealed himself, and has revealed his character and his love for the world in these last days.